What's happening, everybody? This is Ryan here for The Scale-Up Show. Have a different guest on today. I have Loren DeGraw, who is the Senior Director of Global Field Go-To-Market and Programs at Microsoft. So awesome perspective on what's happening in the world of AI and tools and how it's affecting go-to-market teams. Really interesting perspective, uh, especially based on his, his experience in working with Microsoft, at Microsoft, and then also startups. So you're not going to want to miss this one. Very, very unique. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale-Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Laurent DeGraw who is the Senior Director of Global Field Go-To-Market and Programs and one of the biggest names in the game at Microsoft. He's results-driven and been in a sales and marketing executive for 20 years with successful go-to-market strategies for accelerating revenue growth, increasing market share, and transforming industries. Laurent, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Thank you, Ryan. I'm glad to be here. I, I think I like if I had to grade myself on the pronunciation of your name, I think I'd give myself maybe like a B minus. Is that fair? Did I do okay or how did I do it? Well, you, you actually did well. Okay. Like I'm used to uh, <laughs> hearing my name in, in very different things. So, uh, well, hey, man, appreciate you coming on and, you know, I had an awesome opportunity to sit down and talk with you last week get to know you a little bit and it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show you know i think you you have a a, a very interesting background and and most of the time i usually have like SaaS ceos on the show but love what you're doing and how you're kind of looking at products you know especially at microsoft holistically from a solution perspective because we're getting carpet bombed with products every day in terms of ai tools and other things so thought it'd be great to have you on the show man so but before we do, like, kind of get into it, we'd just love to hear a little bit about your background and can you share it with, with you, the listener, so that, you know, they have some context about who you are and kind of how you got into the role that you're at, you're at right now. Yeah. No, great. So, so like you said, I've been about 20 years in the tech sector, uh, roughly 10 years in marketing, 10 years in sales. I actually started in marketing, uh, working for HP. And then I, uh, I moved into uh, sales roles, uh, first at a startup. Then uh, after a few years, I was recruited by Microsoft, uh, started in, in channel sales roles. So uh, I was mostly kind of building out kind of new businesses. It was uh, the early days of cloud. And, uh, and so there I was uh, working with recruiting partners, uh, building plans with them and then co-selling so that we could grow our annual recurring revenue. And so I was able to kind of achieve uh, good results where we were less than 3 million uh, on a yearly basis to, to over 10 million in, in, in less than three years. Um, wait, wait, wait. From there, Stop I kind of went into... Did you say 3 million to 210 million in three years? No, 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 no. no. You just... <laughs> 10 okay. million. That's still, plus 10 that's million. still very yeah, good. Yeah. I thought you said 3 million to 210 million in three years. I'm like... <laughs> Dude, we never talked about this. This is pretty amazing. But still, three million to ten million in three years is still really good. Keep going, man. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. And otherwise, if it would have been two hundred million, we would have <laughs> had to do a podcast that would take an hour or two, I think. But uh, you know, just ten, a little more over ten million. Then I moved into solution sales. Um, so I was selling core infrastructure 
solutions for for Microsoft to think about kind of management tools, security, identity, uh, virtualization mm-hmm. was was uh, big at that time. And um, from there, I, I went into sales management roles, um, uh, managing the, the full kind of data platform. Uh, it was also the moment where we uh, launched Azure. So I did uh, the first couple of deals with uh, for our Azure cloud. And then after about uh, uh, seven and a half years or so, uh, the Belgian and Luxembourg subsidiary for Microsoft, I moved with my family to the United States. Uh, to work for the headquarter. Um, I moved back into marketing, so uh, leading field marketing disciplines, first for uh, Internet of Things and Advanced Analytics. That was uh, before AI became a thing. And uh, for the last five years, I've been leading the the go-to-market for business applications. Uh, So that is CRM applications, ERP applications, as well as uh, some uh, low-code platform. Love that platforms that we have at Microsoft. Love that. So, I- and maybe just to add, maybe this is kind of where then the, the SaaS founders or whatever. So in the, the last uh, three four years, I've uh, been advising uh, a few startups. Uh, I always say that's my way for staying very close to the action uh, and the reality and the challenges of kind of uh, uh, new businesses. Uh, and not just kind of work on, let's say, established or bigger businesses uh, at Microsoft. Well, that's great, man. And and you have a great treasure trove to pull from in, in terms of ideas and, and information from that. So I guess like go to market. I mean, go to market is loosely thrown around in, in a lot of different ways and areas in terms of a, a definition. I guess like how do you define go to market? And then what do you see as the single biggest mistake that companies are making today with their go to market? Yeah. Well, so um, for me, it's all about one, you have a product or you have a solution. Uh, what's the, the best route to market? So what are the different channels that you are going to uh, to engage? Um, what's your pricing strategy and your business model? Um, and then it's really thinking about your, your sales and marketing strategy on how you can basically engage your customers, your prospects in uh, in a meaningful way with a strong value proposition, mm-hmm. with a, a personalized customer journey. Um, so all of those things are, for me are part of a go-to-market. And to your point at Microsoft, I think there are a lot of different teams that think they do go-to-market or they will claim they do go-to-market, but instead they have like pieces of it. And even me, like I've, I've also like certain pieces of it. It's, 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 a, it's a team sport. Uh, when it comes down to go to market. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a a lot of that. So, what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make when they're they're formulating or creating their go to market? Well, I think the starting point. So, the a lot of companies, a lot of people start from the product, and I'm not entirely sure it's the right starting starting point. I think you need to start from the customer, the buyer persona, the user and really identify what are their pain points and are those pain points materially big enough that they want to change or that they want to solve it. Um, and do you have an idea of what, uh, if they would, uh, if you would solve it, what the impact would mm-hmm. be from a value perspective uh, of, of that change. And so, and then you can start to think about, okay, what, how can, for instance, technology uh, um, or what can our product do in order to go solve that? I see too often that we start from the product. We have all those cool features. And then we start to think about, 
okay, where do we have a market fit? And uh, can I kind of shape my value proposition in a way that it might resonate? And some will stop there. Some will, will challenge themselves and say, hey, we need to really be clear about value and, uh, and the impact that we are going to achieve. But too often I see too many people leading with products and not, not enough leading with, with pain and with value. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I made that mistake before. Right. Like it's easy. It's an easy trap to fall into because sometimes folks look at it as like, hey, what can I offer? What can I deliver? And then how does it fit in with what the market needs? Where, But you're right. I mean, <clears throat> you know, when I've taken a step back and, and looked at effectively like, OK, what are the problems and really, really focused on that? Sometimes you get a completely different answer or a lot of times you get a completely different answer of, you know, what you need to create to solve that. And so I think uh, I think that's very insightful. And that's a that's a great feedback and i could see that in so many areas where people make that mistake so um yeah I, I think that's also one of the reasons that a lot of the startups get are stuck in the product fit phase of a company because they they, they haven't really done enough their homework and so i think it's the companies that that once they start to engage a customer start to understand the customers better start to tweak some of their use cases mm -hmm. Maybe not entirely the tech, but the use cases, that's where they, you see the acceleration uh, happening. And so, yeah, customer centricity, it's not just a buzzword. It's your starting point. Well, so let's, so what would be your framework, right? If you were creating a startup today, uh, in terms of getting enough feedback, like tactically, what, sh what would you do to sniff out that problem, make sure you understand it at a very deep level, and then create a product designed around that? Like what would be your, you know, like, three to five step process that, that you would, and four more steps if needed hmm. to handle that. Yeah. Well, so the first I would, I would, I would just say like, hey, what are the meaty problems out there that uh, are impacting businesses today mm -hmm. negatively? Or if we would adapt it, we would, we would be able to kind of impact them positively and significantly. So if we have, do we have an idea of that? And then, uh, based off that, is to kind of think about what could be, what could be a, a potential answer to that, and just go validate. Talk to your potential buyers. Go listen to what you know about the problem, but but then try to get their perspectives on it. Um, test, stress test. Now, that's one of my favorite words. I use it all the time at Microsoft as well. When you have an idea, go stress test it. Go talk about it with as many people as you can in a way, and you will see that you will reshape whatever you started into uh, slightly differently based on the input and feedback that you're receiving. So when you have an idea about a problem and a potential solution, go stress test it with your, your potential buyers. And so once you have a, a good amount of feedback, um, that's where I think you want to kind of uh, put it out there as, as kind of a, a first version. I like we 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 tend to use that uh, the minimal viable product. I know there like is it really minimal. I think you want to kind of create a good experience from the get go, but at least get get it out and and get feedback and refine as you go. And so the moment you 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 have enough market uh, input, that's where you can then start to think about um, what are the best routes to go and 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 scale this. What are the best business models to put this in market um, and that you should go ask it. Like, why do you come with a, your own price point? You might be too low. 
because the problem is actually way bigger and they, and they are willing to pay a lot more. And so go ask them what they would pay for it. Uh, how big this problem really is? Would they prioritize it? Is this something that uh, they would uh, they would be willing to invest kind of their time on to to drive a certain change? Once you get that clarity, you you will uh, you will be able to get uh, get rolling. I think that yeah, I think that's a great framework. In in terms of like talking to people and getting direct feedback, what's the, like in terms of quantity? What do you want to? What's a number like a minimum number you want to hit for that? In terms of people you talk to, I've seen. 30, you want to talk to at least 30 is, is kind of the recommended standard. <clears throat> What's your feedback on that? Well, I think it depends on, on in the end, your target audience. And the more verticalized niche you are, you can have with a few, it's, it, it probably can be enough. Um, I was working uh, with, um, with a buyer persona uh, agency, and uh, their approach was basically they uh, interview about 8 to 12. Mm-hmm. And they have noticed that there is not a lot of uh, differences <laughs> if you interview more people. Um, so I think somewhere around 10 is really your, 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 your minimum. Um, but it depends. Like if you want to kind of address the entire world, you, wanna, you need to kind of at least categorize it based on segments. But if you say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell into, let's say, banking, and I want to kind of... Uh, Talk to a few banks and a few people within banks. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that should be enough. Okay. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about sales tools, right? Or tools in general. <clears throat> I think I've seen as much, many numbers, as many as like 13,000 new AI tools have been introduced this year alone, <clears throat> which I don't know if that number is accurate or it's a little overblown, but it wouldn't surprise me if it would be. And it kind of depends on what you constitute as a tool, right? So, uh, so I guess with that, let's talk about specific applications for sales. Like, what do you think the biggest challenge in the space is now with sales tools and leveraging them and using them organizationally and for small companies and bigger companies enterprise wide. Yeah. So like right now I'm actually for one of the startups, I'm kind of exploring what it would take for us to, to start a direct sales uh, channel. Um, And we don't have any tools. Very simple. So I start to kind of look into how could we um, at least put something in place that is going to allow us to be very efficient from the get-go because you, you, you want to be, especially if you start to do outbound uh, outreach, you want to be efficient. And what I noticed is that you have either like bigger tools that have a lot of bells and whistles that you don't need, or you have those individual tools that will just do one little thing and you need a, a lot more. And so it's just hard to have uh, something that will allow you to um, take the full step from, okay, I need to build a list. So 
want to have data because as a startup, I might not have customer data just yet. So I want to build my list. Then I want to build uh, my sequence and I want to have a sequence that is uh, omnichannel and that uh, I can automate at some extent. And I want to do personalization. So I want to make sure that uh, each interaction, I can personalize it, but on the fly. That's where AI is, is now bringing so much efficiencies. And I want to have, as one of the steps, I need to have a, a dialer because I want to call them and maybe want to send some text, text messages as well. Um, and then I want to make sure that I can kind of manage uh, appointments and I want to uh, be able to uh, to manage them, uh, my opportunities and so on. And so suddenly this thing becomes like uh, pretty large. And what you see is that you have either, I, I think outreach has a lot of those things, HubSpot has a lot of those things. Um, but then you miss maybe this thing. And then yes, you have integrations, but it's just so complex and very quickly, you might have four or five tools that you are uh, working with. And yes, you have maybe some some Chrome extensions and all of that, but it's, I don't know if it then makes you that more efficient uh, if you have to jump from one tool or another or you need to learn how to use one tool. Um, and that's why I think there is there is opportunity to to go back into the basics of what is it that you need to do and can we provide kind of a, a single end-to-end tool that is going to be addressing that specific need of, uh, let's say, a, a startup that is just starting with with uh, some outbound uh, sales. That makes a lot of sense. Any other big gaps? What is your perspective there? Like, like <laughs> uh, what is your perspective there? How are you thinking about the tools? Well, yeah, I, I think before we, we shift gears, I think yeah, I can answer that definitely. I think. Um, that's true. I mean, there there is a massive amount of tools out there, and you do have to jump to a lot of them. And the company's position things is like it's so easy to integrate and connect all of them, but it's not. You know, like like even with tools like Zapier, right? You're just like, oh yeah, just use Zapier and connect it. Well, like <laughs> you do it with tools, and you get like sometimes fifteen different errors that you follow the instructions what it says, you do that, and it just doesn't connect. So I I get what you're saying with that, and that's just a micro example of what you're talking about. But yeah, there, there's a lot of different yeah. ranges of tools out there to do different like point solutions. And so I think there's, there's definitely challenges there. I think there's challenges for also understanding like the effectiveness of tools and the ROI of tools as well. And what people are really, really getting out of them and not just, not just using them in task switching, but when you look at it more from a, a management perspective, there's that. And that's why there's, it's interesting because it's looked at more from a cost perspective only as a, as opposed to a utilization perspective or an outcome perspective. But there's a lot of companies now that basically do SaaS management, right? So you can understand like what tools are being used, how many users, are your contracts right size, but not really effectively, you know, from a manager's perspective. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, that's just kind of my take. And I don't know if yeah. that makes sense on your end or what, what your thoughts are. No, yeah, it does. It does. And I agree. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, so so let's shift off tools real quick because I want to make sure we, we hit this. Uh, I think there's something out there that a lot of people are missing. And I, I think that's because of the fact that most people are so focused, whether it's in sales or go to market, they're focused on sales and they're focused on marketing and they're focused on the product, but they, they forget about connecting authentically with people as humans. Right. And so, you know, what what's happening now is like 
there's more risk because we're in what someone classifies down market, right? And so you have to have a higher level of trust to really, really execute and connect with them. So from your perspective, which, what's your framework for creating trust in, in the sales process? Yeah. So I, I, I strongly believe that people buy from people they trust and uh, not necessarily like trust. And for me, trust comes, um, it's, it's hard work. Uh, to earn trust, it's not something you can you can claim. You will receive it if you if you uh, if you put the hard work in it. And so it starts with combining or finding the right balance between building connection and basically showing your humanity. Really being curious about you as a person, about you you as part of, in your function in your company, and um, and basically do kind of your discovery so you really understand what's going on in their world. Um, and at the same time, also kind of, um, uh, building your credibility and that's where you are bringing, so you need to bring value to them. And so as a subject matter expert, you know, maybe a certain expertise, you want to bring that value to them, um, so that they, um, not only see that you are interested in them as, as, let's say as a company, as a customer to really, uh, get to know them and understand them. But also in that engagement, start to provide some some uh, some value. And so I think when you find the right balance between building connection and building your credibility, then you start to earn trust. And when you have trust, that's only then you can start to kind of bringing them along into a change uh, or a transformation journey, and uh, and then you can be their guide throughout that that change explaining why, why now, why should they change? And that's kind of where you, the whole value conversations comes uh, to play, but also explaining them how, so that you have kind of a step-by-step process in order to get them there. Um, and so you cannot go into kind of a change traject- trajectory if you don't have, uh, have that trust. And so finding a good way around connection and building credibility I think is key. And one of the, the, the key pieces that I love to kind of do as a, as a salesperson is, uh, is what I call give and get. So I remember my, one of my first sales conversations. I knew I had to qualify the opportunity. I had to ask a lot of questions and I had my long list of questions to ask. And I went in and I just started to ask all the questions and taking notes. I was like an interviewer. Now that's not the. Of course, you're doing discovery, but like there, there is no time for that. People don't want to kind of invest and just inform you without getting anything in return. So after a while, I started to understand like, hey, if I'm not providing value to them, they are not going to give me necessarily all the real answers to some of the questions that I might have. And so uh, things like, hey, I've been talking to a, a number of of customers like you. And so the three things I'm constantly hearing is one, two, and three. Which one is the most important to you? Or is there another one? And so by me giving already something, they will give me some, some, some input back. Or, hey, I was looking at your website. And I think your website looked really, really cool because I, I found a lot of information. I know those are your priorities. And you were talking about that you want to kind of uh, create partnerships with your customers around sustainability. Awesome. 
But then I go look at your products and I just see products. I don't see anything about innovation or the value you will bring to me as a, as a customer. So I think there is an opportunity there. So what do you think about how you go to market or how you position yourself on your website? And then suddenly you start to kind of have a different type of conversation. So I'm a big fan of trying to build connection and to, to show genuinely interest uh, into them while build, building your credibility. And that's why you bring in value and doing that in a fashion that you do give and get throughout the conversation. Yeah, I think that's I think that's such a great distinction, the whole give and get, because you want to turn it from an interrogation to a transformation, right? And you, you can't just interrogate someone and expect them to want to do business with you. But you could, if you get that fuel or that fire to basically provide value, if you haven't, if you don't have it on the front end before walking in that meeting, you could help them transform in the whole experience with you by just creating relevant context to what those questions provide. So I think that's a really strong point. Most people don't even ask good questions <laughs> in the sales area, right? So I think you're taking it a couple steps further, right? Ask great questions that are relevant, do your homework, and then give them value in return for what they're giving. I think I think what you said too is so simple. It's so great. Is like the three biggest patterns I see with people in your your space are X, Y, and Z. People always love to hear what their competitors are doing. You know what I mean? So I, I think you nailed it right there. Um, unfortunately, we're just about up on time. So where can people find you? Where can they find out more about what you're doing at Microsoft? And then we'll, we'll take it from there. Well, I think the easiest way is uh, to, to hit me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive. So uh, let's, let's share my, my contact details there and uh, let's, uh, let's engage in the conversation. Yeah, well, it was it was really good to have you on the show, Ron. And I liked your perspective. You know, you, you have a very, very unique role in terms of the go-to-market side where you're straddling sales and marketing and products. So very, very unique perspective. So it was awesome having you on the show. Thank you for having me, Ryan. All right. And uh, we will see you all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.